Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. So here we sit in the diaspora, looking at the horrors as they unfold in Israel. The Jewish community around the world is around about 16 million. It's never exceeded. Uh, I think it's the first time in history that we've ever exceeded 15 million. But because we're such a small community, you know, you've got that degrees of separation. We are all connected. By one or two degrees, you can connect any Jew to any Jew, right? Just by one or two connections. We are a very small community. We all have family. We all have friends. We all have loved ones who were directly affected by what happened on the 7th of October in Israel. While we experience the trauma somewhat vicariously or from a distance, how do we support the trauma of our Israeli loved ones, our friends, our family? It's, a, it's an important question because it may, ultimately it makes us better people. Right, So a good hold of Dr. Tamar Silberg, who's a senior lecturer in the Faculty of Sci- Social Sciences in the Department of Psychology at Barilan University, uh, to ask the question. Good morning. How are you, doctor? Hi, good morning. Can you hear me? Yes, perfectly. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Thank you. Excellent. Um, so, Thank you for inviting me. No, thank you very much for making time. So how do we provide better emotional support to friends and family living in Israel? So, as you mentioned, the October 7th um, terror attack in Israel, we here experienced a horrifying um, situation that shook our nation to its core. And I think in the aftermath of this tragedy and the subsequent war, countless children and families in Israel have been left traumatized and scared. Uh, We have children and families exposed to direct threat and other traumatic circumstances such as displacement and large-scale sirens and missiles, all of them um, affecting our population. Uh, We also know that a recent study conducted by the Israeli Pediatric Association uh, and the Gaushin Association indicated that more than 80% of the children and 40% of the parents have been experiencing high level of distress since the outbreak of the war. Right. Um, and only 14% of these uh, parents and families have sought mental health first aid for themselves as and for their children. Um, we know we, that there are some volunteer organizations in Israel that have joined the effort, the country's uh, official mental health organizations, and many programs have been urgently developed to provide first aid, professional, emotional support for all of those in need. For example, we have the Iran and the Natal and even the HMOs and also uh, the Community Psychological Clinic at my university that have all established free hotlines to support families around the country with trauma first aid to help them achieve long-term resistance. Another project in my university um, that 
is yep. of students from psychology, social work, and uh, medicine. And we have established a Teddy Bear Guardians of Resilience Center, yeah. um, which is a mobile center that drives through the country and reaches children anxious and traumatized uh, that they bring their teddy bears for a brief medical and psychosocial intervention. And this intervention is amazing because it's provided by um, volunteering students, which are all trained medical psychology and social work students. And the idea is to use the teddy bear that is a transitional object in psychology and uh, to bridge the gap between the child's internal world, which is the fear and the trauma, and the outward reality. Um, and uh, we help children experience autonomy while remaining connected and secure during this program. Yeah, I imagine it's also very challenging. You know, when I was growing up, our parents because of we didn't have the internet and it was much easier for parents to control the flow of information and and they would protect us from you know the things that adults would talk about we were told go outside and go and find the cats or go and you know do something go and play you know get out of my hair whatever the case may be but they protected us from exposure exposure to the news um, today it's not possible to do that there's just information everywhere. Um, I know that after the 7th of October, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't any conversation that anyone within the Jewish community here in Johannesburg was having other than what was happening in Israel. So how do we protect even our children here in the diaspora from that sort of news? Um, so this is a very important issue, and I've been asked uh, from also in Israel parents that know that their children are um, have been exposed to uh, media reports and live streaming of traumatic events and also other Jewish communities. I think this is um, another struggle now for our kids, which are exposed uh, in an overwhelming uh, way. Um, just to note that the, one of the criteria for a post-traumatic stress disorder in the previous um, diagnostic manual was that the exposure is direct, not via social media. And I think that this will change in the future due to what we are all experiencing, that this is indeed uh, considered a traumatic exposure. And I think we need to ensure our children are safe. It, it's, it's harder with this um, exposure to the media. And we, the first thing for parents, I would say, is talk to the children. Explain about the implications. Because we think sometimes that what we know as parents, it's obvious for our kids. And another thing is not only to talk, is to ask them, let them say. Is there something disturbing you? Is there something that you saw or you heard that you're um, thinking about more recently, that before you go to sleep, there are thoughts or images that come into your mind? Sometimes we talk to the children and we think that we're having a conversation, but truly we are the one, the adults that are talking and the children are listening. I would try to reverse that. And if we want to know how our children are affected, 
we need to ask. If they're young, we surely need to limit their exposure, sure. um, remove uh, some of the applications for now, tell them that it's for their own safety and it's for now, um, or try to have some other um, programs that limit um, the streaming. But I think because we can't, uh, well, this is my professional uh, uh, opinion, I, I think maybe others will have a different opinion, yeah. that we can't control by being the ones that are con in control all the time. We need to provide our children um, safety hazards. We need to provide them with the ability to learn what is not safe for them. And it's in this event and it's for other occasions. And um, yeah, it's very important. Try, yeah, yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. it's very important also that what you say is that it comes from from the child, or from the person experiencing the trauma, because not all different stages of trauma will somebody be open to talking about it or processing it, and processing it is ultimately what gets somebody to a stage where they're better. Yes, tr surely. I, I would recommend, because of the situation and the possibility uh, of children being exposed, you're right, not the ones that we know, not directly, but they saw, they read um, an, uh, a report or they saw a TikTok vi uh, clip or we don't know that. No. But our, our role as parents, as caregivers, is to ask like, you know, there's the situation now and we know that there are things that are um, streamlined. There are things that are posted. Did you read or did you see something that's bothering you, that you're upset, not coming as something that this is a wrong thing that you did because yes. we won't get their collaboration. Exactly. And we really want to protect them and help them. Yeah. So having a conversation with your child uh, just before dinner or even going to to eat ice cream or pizza and tell them you know i know things if if that kid like above 10 or 12 years and we anticipate that he or she might have been exposed so i think we need to raise this um possibility and not give them like a speech no, trying 100%. to ask them to be yeah. like like a um Unfortunately, it looks like uh, we might have lost that call. That's Dr. Tamar Silberg. And, yeah, we'll have to see if we can get her back. But uh, very, very valuable information there. You know, ask, ask your child, what have you heard? But don't be accusing about it because they haven't done anything wrong, right? Maybe friends have said something and uh, let them ask. So that's Dr. Tamar Silberg, Senior Lecturer in the Faculty of Social Sciences in the Department of Psychology at Bar Ilan University, talking about how to provide emotional support towards kids and families.